Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Before we get started, I want to shout out a few shows that are local to me and tell you why I like them so much. The first one is Tomes of the Chaos Bard. They are a family-friendly show. They focus on a lot of the role-playing aspects of the game. It's great for listening to with your family, with people of all ages. And like I said, a ton of fun. It's a group of family and friends that are playing a homebrew world together. Make sure to check out Tomes of the Chaos Bard. The next one is Friend and Foe Adventure Co. My friend Riley runs this one. Riley and the gang are using the Borderlands tabletop role-playing game system, so if you love the Borderlands video games, then this show might be for you. They pitch it as an immaturely mature podcast befitting the mayhem and humor of the Borderlands video games. So, if that sounds like it's up your alley, check it out. The next two I want to shout out I was recently featured on, so go check those out if you want to hear more of my voice. The first one is Nat1Nerds, that's my friend Parker down in Arizona. His co-host wasn't able to show up, but he invited me to play D&D Trivial Pursuit. The first question I got, the rest of them were very hard. If you know the answers, yell them into the void and I won't hear you, but it'll be a lot of fun for you to guess along with me and with the other players. So check out Nat1Nerds. They talk about different systems, they play different systems, um, but they do an in-depth breakdown of the system before and after their one-shots. So if you're trying to learn more about a game you wanna play, that is a great show to listen to to kind of learn more in-depth instead of just listening to an actual play. And finally, the last show I want to shout out is The Bad Venture Club. That's run by my friend Cade and my friend Jordan, who helped us do the Kickstarter art last year for Two Hot One Shot, is one of the players there, which is a fun connection. And Jordan, knowing that I had written this game, invited me to come run Two Hot One Shot for The Bad Venture Club. So Cade got to switch from the DM's chair, be a player. He played one of the NPCs from the game that everyone kind of loves slash hates. A lot of fun. It's the first time that I've ever recorded myself running a game. So it's going to be eye-opening for me. I'm sure Cade will make me look good in the edit, uh, but we're going to have to see how it turns out. It was a lot of fun to run that game and record myself running games for the first time. We'll see if I like it. All of those shows, like I said, are local or local-ish to me. Arizona's close enough, I think. So if you want to check out any of them, check out the episode show notes where you can go see all their backlogs and decide if you want to get into those shows too. All of those people are really good friends of mine, and I just want to do something nice and shout out their shows because I think you should check them out too. All right, that was a lot. The only other thing I want to mention is if you want to help support the show, remember I have a Patreon where you can jump in and toss me a few bucks every month and help support the show, or you can buy things using my affiliate links. If you're looking for dice or if you're looking for new TTRPG accessories, or maybe you want to buy some t-shirts, maybe you want to buy some stuff from DMs Guild or Drive-Thru that you want to run, If you're wanting to help support the show, that's a great way to do it. Buy the things you're already planning on buying, but just use my links. You may even get a discount from those links as well. You know, some of them will come with a code. I promise that is it. Let's jump into the guest intro now. Grant is a GM, a producer, and the creative force with his sister behind Game Master Monday. Grant decided he wanted to try and play as many different tabletop role-playing games with as many different people as he could and recorded. Thus, Game Master Monday was born. He has a flair for improvisation and dramatics and makes each game he runs or plays unique and fun. Enjoy. Hi, 
I, I'm Grant Nordine. I'm the titular Game Master over at Game Master Monday. A little bit about me. I'm, I'm uh, a theater kid. Go figure. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Went to school for it and everything had the parts and the roles and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I went to school for it in Southern Utah, which, you know, a bastion of art and culture. Good old Southern Utah. The school I went to had a pretty solid theater program. So I was doing that for a while, and then I came home back to Las Vegas looking to jump into like the real theater scene. And you know, you know, you get you get married, you hang out, you get a job, and then you're like, oh shoot, it's been five years since I did that puppet show, and now I'm here. So <laughs> I was looking for like a creative outlet for a long time. So I did things here and there. I did voiceover work. I did aforementioned puppet shows. I did a lot of writing. I started doing songwriting for local bands and then in like 2019 this artist who i was following on twitter and instagram for like ever named branson reese was like hey i'm starting a new podcast and you should all listen to it and i was like sick cool i like what he does i see what he's up to and i go into the podcast knowing nothing about it and i quickly learn he's doing an actual play podcast and i'm like oh they're playing dungeons and dragons okay not really my bag but I'll, I'll i'll hear him out and then i listened to the whole first episode and like this is what D was the entire time <laughs> I know, none right? of you bothered to tell me it was cool and fun and you didn't have to do like dressing up as wizards and larping in your basements i i thought it was stranger things this whole time <laughs> so that's how i found D and ttrpging was an offhand podcast i knew nothing about and uh, now here I am, four years later, running my own actual play franchise, modeling a lot of my style after, quite frankly, an insane person. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, did you go to <laughs> Cedar City or St. George for school? St. George. Okay. I, I know you hear theater school in Southern Utah and you think Cedar, right. but you got to go to the party school. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I've had a few friends go there. So uh, did you ever do any shows at Tuacon? I didn't do shows at Tuacon. Actually, fun fact, the semester before I moved back home, I was slated to guest direct at Tuacon High School for a project oh, yeah. for something, and then I just didn't come back to school. <laughs> oh, well, there it is. <laughs> People who are not from around here will have no idea what we just said. It will just sound no. like a bunch of gobbledygook, <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. Here we are. There is a, a very famous on the West Coast theater called Tuacon Amphitheater in St. George, Utah, or Hurricane, Utah, which is yeah. the stupidest name in all of the United States. It's spelled hurricane, but you can't pronounce it that way. It's hurricane. Just <laughs> like the English ancestors or whatever who named right, it. Right, yeah. yeah. Southern yeah. Utah had this whole thing where they're like, we're the South too. And it's like, you are not. You are absolutely not the South. <laughs> Stop calling I remember being Dixie. so confused about that as a kid. When my aunt told me where she went to school and what their mascot was, I was like, why? Uh, I, I didn't get it as a kid, and I don't get it now. I didn't get it as a student. I was like, why are we called Dixie? <laughs> yeah, that's a stupid thing. It was a big thing in the 1960s. I was like, why? <laughs> oh, yeah, 1960s. Why that particular decade? Yeah, interesting. Hmm, hmm. The centennial of something, maybe? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. We, we won't jump into it too much. So you fell in love with tabletop role-playing games by listening to someone else do an actual play. You're like, oh, this is actually really fun. I want to get into this. So do you remember when you first decided you were going to start running games for people? And do you remember what game you ran and kind of how it went? So I am very much so a believer in if I can get it for free, I'm going to just do that instead of paying for it for like big name stuff. So I was just like grabbing any 
like like D and D PDF I could find and just like trying to practice running stuff. And I was very quickly bogged down by the rules. So the first time I ever tried to run something, my buddies can attest to this, the the Toms and Charlie and the guys who played it with me the first time around. I did a watered down version of D&D that I boiled down to base with a spreadsheet. You only have the core six stats, don't worry about anything else. And we tried it from there. One player who was familiar with D&D was like, how homebrewed would you say this is? And I was like, 5X Moonshine is how how homebrewed this is. I made it my bathtub. (laughs) 180 proof, baby. If you smell it, you're drunk. If you drink it, call the doctor, you know? (laughs) And we ran that. And to be fair, they had fun. But I think it was primarily because we were all just like a bunch of improvisers and theater kids. And we were just mostly playing pretend as opposed to playing D&D. So I will say it went fine if you didn't know any better. And honestly, a lot of people's first experience does go like that anyway. So I'm not super surprised. And it sounds like it worked fine. You didn't have a bad taste in your mouth and you kept going, right? Yeah, they kept playing with me. You know, they kept doing other stuff with me. And and now I'm the world's greatest game master. Wow, it's a big claim. (laughs) I said that one time in an ad and like people have not let me hear the end of it. (laughs) I was trying to make the game master of Game Master Monday a big character. It was like, I know all the things and... Then you play with me, you're like, oh, he doesn't know shit. <laughs> I don't know what the trope is, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I mean, all publicity, right? That's what they say. Yeah, I wanted to be the dungeon master from the cartoon from the 80s is what I was doing. That'd be I a good know. cosplay. <laughs> they sell them at Spirit Halloween, you know? <laughs> they do. They do. I was very surprised about that. <laughs> oh, man. Considering all of the different games you've run and, and all of the different times you've been behind the screen, what are some of the big mistakes you feel like you have made while running games? A lot of my life has been trial and error. This is no exception. I have played a lot of the things where my biggest oopsies are just like, oh, I didn't read that super great and I totally whiffed something. I don't think I've ever had like an experience where my players walked away being like, I wish he would have X, Y, Z. It's mostly just me beating myself up because like, I read something after the fact. I totally did not do that mechanic right. And I didn't clue in until like halfway through the game. I listened back to something and I hear something a player was trying to do. And because I was so in character and so focused on their goals, I blocked it as opposed to like, just letting them run wild. And there's a time and a place for everything. And a lot of it, and I'm sure a lot of game masters of the test is just like, oh, I wish I would have done. Or, oh, I could have done, or I didn't do, or I did do. And it's like, at a certain point, you just got to let that stuff go. <laughs> but I think the biggest whiff I've ever done was a recorded episode of the podcast where if you go back through our archives, you'll see an episode called Parsley Spooky Manor. And Parsley is this game where it's modeled after 80s text adventures. Like you sat around the computer, you told, get E flask, you cannot get E flask, et cetera, et cetera. Is this the one you did just with Jenny? I remember yes, this one. Exactly yeah. right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like that one, what you don't hear is just me going, what the hell are they talking about? Because the <laughs> game tells you, like, this is here, this is there. And Jenny is trying to like give me stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. It's not in here. And then there's like a whole like vampire subplot happening and she's super confused <laughs> by it. And I'm super yes. confused by it because I'm like, I thought like, I guess you're a vampire. It says you're a vampire. And then I go back to the beginning and it's like, if this happens, then they're a vampire. 
but you don't know what the this is until like a few pages in. So every page before is like, if they're here, this happens. And I'm like, I should have read this like more thoroughly. So if you go back and listen to that and you're confused by the order things happen in, don't worry, me too. <laughs> it was a fun concept though. Um, I had a coworker a few years ago who would like pulled up a bunch of these old text-based games or like really early like 90s adventure games and he would play them like on breaks and stuff and screen record and then send us like a poll in the Slack channel and say, all right, what should I do next? Like, where should I click? What should I type? You know, that rules. I didn't like play him a ton as a kid, but like I have a special place in my heart for him just because it was a fun time at work. So yeah, the Parsley game was, even though it was kind of like, uh, what's happening here? What's happening there? I, I mean, obviously I sympathize with GMs. And so I was like, hey, I'm sure it's either weirdly written or whatever. So, but it was a, it was a lot of fun. So it's yeah. It's part of the charm of Parsley because those old games. Yeah. You remember two things about them. One, playing them with your friends and typing in the stupidest thing you can think of to see what it says. Yep. And two, how frustratingly specific and difficult they are. And Parsley really captures that. So the yes. frustration is like a mechanical, planned for, obvious thing. And they encourage the GM to be sassy and they revel in you getting frustrated by their game. And because I love hate it so much for playing it again on the show for a live stream in October, I messaged Jenny. I was like, we're going to do it bigger and better. You're going to have like people helping you. You're all going to be piloting one meat suit and I'm making you play the hardest game in the whole collection. <laughs> I was going to say there's probably more, right? So you're going to play a different yeah. version. Yeah. Cool. Yep. <laughs> and you get a lot of bang for your buck in that game for 20 bones. I got to tell you, Memento Mori, if you hear this, I love Parsley. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing when that stream is then. That was a lot of fun. Cool. On the flip side, then, can you think of some really fun parts of running games? You know, stuff that's been really funny that was improvised or really emotional or meaningful moments that really stick out to you? Not to gloat, but I feel like we really have worked with so many just funny, intelligent, intuitive people who are just like so good at what they do, either as players or just as Im- improvisers in their own right. I am most proud of our Defeating the Dungeon miniseries. We just did the whole sect of just playing D&D in like the least D&D way possible. I told them out the gate, I was like, you're going to make level 10 characters. But the goal is to do like the least adventure thing possible. So this isn't like brute force it. This isn't like save the day. This is how do I not relapse? Don't relapse yes. into adventuring. <laughs> For those listening and who are unfamiliar, um, super funny concept where basically Grant set up this like world where there's a bunch of centers around the continent where you can go and rehab after you've been adventuring and like you, you get addicted and it's too much and your family's worried about you. Super <laughs> funny. There's like a person who wrote a book and did like a course and then I'm not going to spoil it, but like from there, it just all it keeps building on itself and it's so funny. Thank you. I love hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot yeah. of my favorite parts of that show are just my players geniusly improvising. My favorite one, Evan, who plays a gnome named Fernella on that game, she is breaking into her grandfather's bakery. Right. And there's, <laughs> it makes sense, I promise. Uh, <laughs> there's a character who comes out and is like coming to scold her for doing it because, of course, she got caught and she throws just like, you know, in dodgeball, when they throw a literal wrench at someone, she does that to me. And she goes, Grandma, is that you? And I'm like, yep, <laughs> it sure is your grandmother, a character I 100% planned for. And we just <laughs> riffed on that. And it wound up being this like really like 
poignant, powerful part of the series. And she gets to like really like have a big reconciliation moment and understand her, her grandparents better. And it's all because she tricked me. She threw a huge curveball at me and we just improved our way through that. All of episode two in that miniseries is mostly improv, but that's like one of my favorite DM wins ever. As we got out of that session, she was like, this was really special to me because I haven't gotten to see my grandfather in a long time. So it was almost like I got to have an actual moment with him because we were just so in it together. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really funny miniseries. I think it was it like four or five episodes. Four episodes. That's right. So easy to binge if you're listening now. Yeah, go check it out. That's our whole goal, baby. We love to be easy to binge. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any like homebrew rules or practices that can be system agnostic that you like to implement in your games that you feel like make things run more smoothly or make it more fun? Anything like that? Uh, I feel like we do, you know, pretty good rule of cool around here, but rule of Uh cool is very uh, more loose and mechanical with me, if you will. So like I treat cool like it's an actual like doctrine. We are very big on nat 20s or whatever the highest possible thing in any given system you do. That's an auto success. I'm not going to DC 25 you or whatever. In our games, uh, nat 1s are instant failures. I'm always, always down for anyone wanting to do whatever goofy stuff they want to try and do. The main thing I always stress with anyone who ever plays with me is like, you know, it should go without saying, but like safety always comes first. So I'm willing to change anything for any reason for anyone's comfort. We don't do anything like unseemly, like we're crass and we're dirty for sure, but we're not like mean, (laughs) if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much so like the rules are kind of suggestions because we're all in a group together. We're all playing make-believe. We're doing whatever is going to be fun. And as long as we're not blatantly breaking this thing then i'm chill (laughs) right like some kind of framework still right you know like as long as we don't start doing like an actual improv show and we're not rolling dice then i'm pretty loosey-goosey there are some games that rely on like heavy mechanical stuff i'm like this is the reason why this game is fun so we're gonna keep this but if something is clearly bogging us down and we're not wrapping our heads around it then i'm like all right heck with it yeah cut it out get rid of it makes sense yeah, I get it. I'm a writer. So I'm like, please let my word just be law. Let me do what I want to do. <laughs> but sometimes you just have to be like willing to steer something in a completely different direction. We did a yeah. game for a system called Brains and Brawn, where Brian, the guy who makes that game, had us play in a space themed expansion of it. And there's a point where like, okay, I got them on the ship. I had them meet the NPC they want to meet. He's going to give them the quest and they're going to go do the quest. And then on the way to the quest, one of these characters drops a big part of their backstory and we all start riffing off of it. And they're like, we want to do that instead. And I'm like, done. (laughs) Like whatever I had planned, forget it. Like this is what you want to do. We're going to do that. I'm riffing, I'm improv and I'm pulling things out of thin air to make it work. And you know what? It's one of my favorite episodes and they all liked it. So I'm like, that's a win for me. Your enjoyment trumps my superiority complex as a writer and performer, you know? That selfless attitude, I think, makes a lot of tables work and makes them a lot more fun for everybody involved. I agree. Welcome to Quickfire Chaos! 
This week on Quickfire Chaos, Grant and I roll on some random tables from the internet to create a scenario to roleplay together. So go ahead and bust out that D100 and give me the first roll and let's see what kind of quest we're going on here. We got 38. 38 for the city quest. Some kind of ancient spirit has been discovered beneath the city. A green-eyed deer and wolves have begun running through the streets at night, howling and hunting down those who don't get inside fast enough. Wow, that's very weird. Now for the character that you're going to be playing here. First, we'll start off with the NPC voice. Not accent, but like how they speak. Oh, okay, got it. Wow, I kid you not, a 100. (laughs) Makes up adjectives and assumes everyone knows them. I feel like I'm on an episode of Make Some Noise right now or like Game Changer. Yeah, actually, this is very Game Changer-esque now that I think about it. I've never made that connection. So we've got an NPC in a city where there's an underground spirit wreaking havoc, a bunch of woodland creatures running around, and uh, they make up adjectives. Okay, so. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, Now your job to help you kind of give you an idea about where I might find you or what you might be dressed as or what you might need. Great. We are going to roll for eternity, apparently, 50. A fisher. Okay, that's pretty (laughs) straightforward. Okay. Last but not least, a personality trait. 54. Indifferent. (laughs) You're uppity, but you're indifferent. A trait of lacking enthusiasm for or interest in things generally. Remaining calm and seeming not to care. Casual, lack of concern. Having to show little or no interest in anything. Wow. All right. I love it. I love it. This is going to be fun. I will be a wandering salesman trying to sell my snake oil. Okay. So I've got like a cart full of like jugs of strange, unidentifiable liquid that I'm carting down the street. So you're walking, you know, throughout the city. And of of course, it's night of the living dead out there. It's dark. the, The lightning is changing colors. There's a whole bunch of ethereal animals running around town, breaking into stuff. It's probably why you're on the street right now. Your store got hit by, like, a rogue buck with glowing green eyes and a menacing look in its face. You're like, okay, forget this. Clearly, the brick-and-mortar solution is not going to be what I'm making my money in today. Apparently not. So you're you're wandering around the town, and uh, there's kind of like in New York, like like a Central Park area, of course, trashed, but... There seems to be just one guy, a human-looking man, has a whole bunch of, like, Zodiac tattoos on his arms. He's wearing a straw hat, and, like, it's almost comical what he's doing right now. He is, like, sitting, like, it's like it's McGullagully's Creek out there, that Dr. Seuss book. He's got, like, a string tied to his toe, a rod in the water, straw hat pulled over his eyes, while, like, Wolves run past him. A bear flies over his head. A woman shrieking, carrying their baby. He's like, he, he cannot be bothered. <laughs> okay. That's a very funny scene. A, a <laughs> shrieking woman carrying her baby, <laughs> screaming people running around, and he's just like the same leaf. He's like snoring and blowing in or out right. and out or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. a piece of straw dangling out of his <laughs> mouth. How it's staying in there, nobody knows. Very yeah. Tom Sawyer right now. Okay. Seeing as he's so calm, I'll probably pull my cart over and like try to like crouch down next to the rock next to him and kind of like look up and say, yes, sir, I I can't help but notice you uh, seem very uh, calm in this situation here. And I wonder if you could uh, tell me your secrets. He puts a finger to his mouth and goes, shh, you're going to scare the fish. 
very sorry, sir. I'll speak quieter for you. In the fish. Uh, yes, the fish. Thank you. Uh, what's your uh, secret, friend? My secret? For catching the fish? I like to tie like a little nibble of cheese on there. Yeah. And then they just come a flocking. Oh, hang on. Like his toe starts wiggling and he like... <laughs> Like yanks the the rod out of the water, and it's one of those like evil looking fish because you know this is what's <laughs> happening in the town. <laughs> it's got like five eyes; they're all glowing like red, purple, blue. And he's like, "Ah, it's not. I can't eat that." And he just puts his toe back in the water. <laughs> uh, listen, friend, uh, I appreciate the fishing tips, yes, but uh, uh, no, I meant uh, how you're remaining calmer uh, given our current uh, oh, spirit situation. The, yes. the demons and such. Yes, they, they yeah, just destroyed my storefront, so... Uh, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, this happens like once every 20, 25 years, give or take. You know, you, you, you grow up here, you see some stuff. You, I'm assuming you just moved here recently, or... What's your story? You just uh, hanging out? Yeah, I hold my lapels a little bit and adjust my jacket, <laughs> right? <clears throat> uh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, I have moved here recently. Uh, I'm an enterprising fellow, you see. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. To, uh, so you draw probably up some business. Yeah, so you probably haven't seen the uh, the animals acting all bizarre and whatnot. Yeah, we got this ancient god underneath the city. I think his name's like Draco Mouth Stuff or something. Uh, you know, right? <laughs> so yeah, you know, something like that. And it's it's a draconic kind of situation. But like, really, all you got you leave them alone. They'll leave you alone. He like shows you his zodiac tattoo arms. Like I got these back in like fifty five, I think, and you know. You keep these on you, and they just go right past you. You know, don't even bother with me. Hmm. Well, might I take a look at your your tattoos, there, fellow? Yeah, uh, sure. And he like, begins to like them. take out a quill and try to like copy them <laughs> on his arm. <laughs> yeah, uh, you yeah, know, it's a, you turn it a little bit uh, this way. He's like uh, rotating yeah. it, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the one for Sagittarius is like a little messed up, but I think animals get the idea. You know, like they're not like super intuitive creatures. But like, yeah, so you got like the the Chinese Zodiac on this side. I've got the Astronomical Zodiac on this side. Back in like 99, I got a little adventurous and started working on the 16 personality types from Myers-Briggs. But I think that was just annoying more than anything. <laughs> uh, it's uh, quite the alphabet soup you got on that that arm, sir. Yeah, yes, well, uh, you know, got to do what you got to uh, do. Uh, to Ian, uh, Ian uh, F. P? Mm, ENFP myself, yes, sir. Uh, um, I'm an INTJ. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a cancer as well, uh, on your other arm. Oh, anyway. Nice, <clears throat> nice. My, my niece is a cancer. Mm, yes, well, uh, <clears throat> it's it's good to know that uh, good folks like yourself are not running scared. And, uh, oh, watch up behind you. There's like oh. <laughs> a buck barging at you again. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll jump in the pond. <laughs> <laughs> you jump in the pond and like okay. sure enough a All whole bunch of evil koi fish arm washes off yeah. <laughs> uh yeah uh, now see you gotta do permanent ink there's not you gonna come off from the shower otherwise you're right you're right well I, I like clamber out and like take off my sopping wet jacket and slap it in my cart hmm well uh seeing as You've kind of got this whole thing figured out. What do you say you and I go into business, friend? Maybe we could help the rest of the folk in town uh, avoid all this trouble. 
Uh, I can hook you up with my tattoo artist. I ain't much for doing stuff, really. Uh, but oh, I-, I got a good a good tattoo artist just over there. He points at a tattoo shop, and you see like a Wolverine burst through the door. It's like, <laughs> well, hopefully, I still got a good tattoo artist. I don't know. Well, maybe they're the tattoos. <laughs> maybe. Well, uh, <clears throat> if you're not so interested in profiting off this, suppose I will be the one who uh, who does it then. Yeah, uh, it's, it's all yours. Very good to talk to you, friend. Knowing uh. Knowing a little bit more about this city helps me uh, have some ideas about how to escape. I mean, <clears throat> uh, help them uh, protect themselves in in a time of need. Yeah, yeah I'm happy to help. Good luck with your uh, your monorail or whatever you're doing. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so the the monorail. I don't <laughs> quite know what you mean. <laughs> just like start <laughs> sauntering off with my cart and uh, see if I can figure out a way to sell this information. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That was right in my wheelhouse. The minute you said indifferent, I'm like, perfect. <laughs> the monorail. Just got to sort of good Simpsons joke for you. <laughs> so let's jump into you talking about Game Master Monday now. Uh, we've talked about a few of the different series um, and games that you've played. So yeah, tell us about how you got the idea and then how it's been going for you. Boy, better than I could have hoped. <laughs> I gotta tell you, the heck, being on this show is kind of surreal for me. I was listening to How Not to DM before we really launched this as a standalone show. So I'm like, oh, dang, here I am. <laughs> really? We were talking a little bit earlier about like some older episodes. I started listening around when season three started because I was starting to like put the pieces of Game Master Monday together. And I listened to the three Black Halflings interview you did. Stayed a fan, followed the Twitter account. And then like a month or two later, we launched our show. And like a couple of months after that, you and I were talking about ad partnering. And now here I am. I'm like, well, everything happened so fast. So, <laughs> you know, a whole bunch of partnerships later, people who want to come play uh, on our show, who want their games played on their show. It blows my mind that people listen to any episode of this. And they're like, I want this guy running my stuff. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's an honor in and of itself. So Everything on top of like, wow, more than just my immediate friends and family are listening to this has just been like gravy. <laughs> Wait, your friends and family listen to your show? Yeah, some of them, sure. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> tell me your secrets, man. I can't figure it out. <laughs> the secret is to be uh, really low maintenance and extremely confident. <laughs> ah, like, hey, listen or not, I don't care. Yeah, like, oh, okay, cool. I'll check it out. And they do, and they text you stuff, you know? I have a buddy who texts me like the Tuesday after every episode and tells me what parts he likes. Hey, Joey, if you hear this, love you. <laughs> Shout out, Joey. Nice. Shout out, Joey, who was actually just on our our most recent episode at the time of this recording. Oh, I was going to say, I don't remember that name, but uh, all right, sneak peek. Yeah, there you go. Go listen to Summer Break. He's hilarious in it. He wrote our theme song. As for uh, how I landed on the idea of this show, shortly after discovering Rude Tales of Magic and me having an addictive personality, I start diving for like, other shows trying to like recapture the lightning and stuff and i found myself just being like man so many people are doing such a long campaign and they're already like 40 50 60 episodes into it like i was so late to this whole like dnd as a performance medium thing like people be like oh you're into dnd now you should watch critical role and then i go look up critical role it's like they have 300 no i'm not doing that <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah i watched an episode of critical role and i was like this is too high fantasy for me i do not belong here <laughs> and i just 
politely showed myself out. I landed on this idea of doing a different one shot every episode in different systems because during the pandemic, we had nothing better to do. I was just finding all these cool, like one page RPGs, like one page mage puts out a whole bunch of like incredible stuff. And I found like, I was like goofing around on drive through RPG and I found people doing like D and D one shot games and like just really cool, unique things. And I was like, man, it'd be cool if you had a show where you could just jump in literally anywhere. Like some, like an episode name sounded cool to you, so you played it. And that was your intro to us, you know? So we started running with that. And it's really begat a whole lot of other things because we also take the extra step of being like, let's also not tie ourselves to one cast all the time because people will have scheduling conflicts, family stuff, illnesses. Like you don't want someone to be like, I don't want to do this anymore because I have a much bigger thing in my life happening and then leave the show and then you're left floundering. So we're unique in that we have a rotating cast and we'll just ask our friends or other podcasters to come on the show. And that's worked out great because we end up getting a lot of cool podcast hosts to come on who don't get the opportunity to play a whole lot. And then the yes. word of mouth spreads. So you get people be like, we were on this and then they come over here and it happens every episode. My little monkey brain is like, I don't have the attention span for a full campaign that's been going on for years. What if every episode is a completely self-contained campaign? <laughs> and honestly, it's a great idea. I know there's a few shows out there who will do like two or three or four or five episodes of one game system, but a lot of them do the same cast or whatever. I've had a few people on my show who do those kinds of shows. And obviously, you know, like it's actual plays. So like there's going to be like, similarities all over the place with different shows out there right because there's so many but game master monday has been unique as far as i can tell in the rotating cast and the different game each episode save a few that you've talked about but it's fun because i get to hear a different game and see if i like it or not i get to learn a little bit about the rules and kind of like get a feel for the flavor and also i get to hear different people each week and kind of like enjoy what different people have to offer as well as a listener so it's been a lot of fun Thank you. It's a blast to run because I think with having the rotating cast, we get so many unique points of view per episode. Uh So like no two games are exactly the same. Like my unique flavor is in every episode for sure, but how people react (laughs) to it is always new and exciting and different and really keeps me on my toes as an improviser and a writer. And it's, it's, uh, I like our show a lot, you know, like I'm a fan of my own show. (laughs) It's good because that means you'll be less likely to decide to drop it for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about the rotating casting. I wanted to know, are there any challenges that you've had to face while running a show that is a different system every week and a different cast every week? Like what are some of the unique challenges? And then also on the flip side, you talked a little bit about it, but yeah, any other kind of like unique perks that come from doing a show of that kind of format? The biggest challenge for those of you who want to uh, make a copycat podcast, because please do. Or just do it with your friends. Really. Yeah, if but, you just yeah. want to run, the, just do a do a new one shot every two weeks or whatever. First of all, you're an insane person. This is insanely <laughs> hard to do. Oh my God. <laughs> my big challenge, because I'm kind of operating as executive producer, director, lead actor in a lot of cases, editor, writer. I'm doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And I have a co-producer who helps and is always down to do any game I pick. And that's my sister, Jenny. The challenges are continuously coming up with fresh ideas for one shots can be 
a little challenging. It's a lot of writing, finding the right people, scheduling things constantly because, you know, there's a unique challenge to writing campaigns. With campaigns, you're like, I know where I'm going for the most part. I have things planned out in advance. I have twists planned out in advance. And we usually have like a set schedule. Game Master Monday, every episode, I'm like, when does this work for you? When does this work for you? When does this work for you? Okay, I'm going to go write this now. Give me your character sheets. Uh, okay, I have your character sheets now. Now I'm going to do the thing. Now we're improvising. Okay, now I got to edit it before it comes out in like a month or so. And while I'm editing this one, I got to think about the next games we're going to do next month. So I got to have that on the back. I, I feel like I'm, have you ever played that game Overcooked? I feel like I'm playing Overcooked with my podcast here. Like Just, where you're trying to make all this food all at one time. Right. Kind of yeah. Something's on fire. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm yelling at something. Like, Why don't you do the fire extinguisher? You know, <laughs> but that's also the fun, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like there is that challenge to it. The logistics are always the hardest part. Being on social media is the hardest part. Oh, the, right. I'm saying it's so draining. <laughs> Oh, Especially man. since Elon wants to kill Twitter for whatever reason. Like, oh, cool things. There goes my whole audience. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on Twitter and now I really regret it because I spent so much time and now I'm like, is it like, is it even going to be worth anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. The perks is you get to have this really cool short story anthology of cool games. And like I've said, um, we've been so determined to make this the highest quality podcast we can. I sometimes say that we're not really an actual play podcast. We're more of a narrative play podcast where the rules change all the time. So we're really focused on like cool role playing, cool sound design and good stories. And that's why I like our structure so much because I'm like, look what you can do with literally any system. Like, like no system should stand in the way of your story. It can even aid it. So people hear that they send me stuff. I get so many free games. Derek, like I like, mm. I had to put in a general announcement. Like, hey, we're booked for the year. Stop sending me stuff. I can't get to all of you, which is a unique challenge, but a cool challenge, especially for the kind of person who has a hard time saying no to people. <laughs> ah, yes, ah, I am I'm familiar is. with this as well. <laughs> oh man, what, what's your birthday, Grant? Are we the same person? Yeah, oh, no, we're, we have the same birthday. We're both July eighteenth, right? <laughs> we do have the same birthday. <laughs> It's you, me, Vin Diesel, and Nelson Mandela. Good company. Vin Diesel? <laughs> Vin Diesel. What? Yeah. July 18th. He's a cancer. You know, the other person I know who has the same birthday is John Glenn, who was the astronaut. I guess Mandela's a pretty good one, too. Mandela's a pretty good one. A good whenever one whenever someone's like, when's your birthday? Like, same as Nelson Mandela's. And they're like, what is that? You didn't tell me yet. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like, what is it like? They don't know who Nelson Mandela is. <laughs> <laughs> that would be sad. If that ever happens to me, I'm definitely going to ride them for it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you know what kind of person they are. Okay, so what's been your favorite game system to use to play and record? And how many of these have been totally new to you as well? Like, have all of them just been brand new? A lot of them are, because a lot of them are ones that we get sent, and I'm learning it, like, on the fly, like, the month leading up to it, practicing it. Sometimes if I'm feeling especially confused, I'm like, Jenny, get in a room with me and practice this with me so I know what the hell I'm talking about. And then we get to record, and I, I don't. <laughs> So (laughs) it helps sometimes it happens. But yeah, do you have a favorite that one that sticks out like one of the systems you ran that was just really fun or interesting? Yeah. Oh, oh man. It's hard to pick just one. The slate we have coming up is going to be so much fun. But as far as stuff that's already out, we've played Reigns and Brawn is always a good time by Fighter Guy Studios. That game is super cool and intuitive and simple and fun. The things Brian has let me get away with as a runner for that show a great friend to have. 
I came to him like, hey, thank you for pitching Brains and Brawn to me. I'm going to do a game where everyone gets a letter that they're going to die and they have to beat death at a game of Brains and Brawn and use their last day on Earth to get stronger. And he was like, how in the world <laughs> did you land on that? <laughs> like, what were, the, what were the B ideas? <laughs> yeah, can I see that list? <laughs> oh, man. The B ideas are sometimes me going on TTRPG TikTok and seeing what ideas other one-shotters come up with. This is a sidetrack, but there was a joke where someone was like, what if you made a TTRPG out of that French movie where you play chess with death? And I was like, what if? <laughs> Why not? Let's do that. <laughs> so Brains and Brawn is great. We played a game called Hopes and Dreams, which is a lot of fun by our, our good friends at Fairy RPGs, uh, Renee, who runs that one. That one was so much fun that Jenny came to me afterwards and she was like, we should do this as a mini series one day. Like the cast was so fun and the game is just, it forces you to act good because <laughs> everything in there is like social weight. I'm like finding a way, an intelligent way to speak about this game without spoiling it. Just go find hopes and dreams. Fairy yeah. RPGs are like geniuses over there. They're, they're incredible at what they do. And uh, as far as a spoiler for an upcoming game, we're going to play in uh, September or October-ish. Okay. We recently partnered with Sandy Pug Studios, uh, Sandy Pug Games, excuse me, and we're going to play Monster Care Squad on the show. And if you're looking for like an RPG, like an indie RPG where the vibes are just like, it's like a nice, friendly, cool, chill, narratively rich RPG. Oh my God, Monster Care Squad is so good. You're essentially playing a group of monster veterinarians and there's this big like disease overtaking this huge continent and you go out and you try to like help heal the monsters and the townspeople and the problems they're encountering because the monsters are sick. I'm all about finding nonviolent solutions or like really cool out of the box ideas for conflicts and games. Those three really good. And if I didn't say your game, trust me, I could talk about all of them. Every game we play is cool. I was going to say, like, he's picked your game to play on the show, so that says something, right? You're welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will give a shout out to Lesbian World of Crime Fighters as well, just because of the absurdity of that game, and that was a blast to run as a murder mystery game. Oh, that was a good one, too. It was. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, you've talked about Jenny a few times, your sister. She's your frequent collaborator. How is it to work with a sibling on something like this i have siblings but none of them have really gotten into the interview podcast space yet have there been any issues where you're trying to push each other's buttons a little bit or do you get along famously <laughs> i've known jenny for about 29 years now and uh, she's <laughs> <laughs> jenny and i have been goofing around together for as long as i can remember we've always wanted to do something like this together and we've dabbled in things here and there We've tried a whole bunch of other different projects, eventually landing on this one. I was kind of running it solo, and then I just had her on the show all the time because she was available constantly because I know where she lives. I never schedule. <laughs> <laughs> You're trapped. Right. It's like, you, you can't say no to me. I'm your older brother. I'll sit on you. <laughs> <laughs> I threaten her that all the time, and she hates it. <laughs> but no, like we don't really bicker a lot or try to like mess each other up. Like we do friendly ribbing because that's our sense of humor and our personality. And you can even hear it in the games. I think my wife pointed out to me one day that she was like, sometimes your NPCs have a tendency to pick on Jenny. And I'm like, well, I've been doing it this long. Right. <laughs> it's just part of my DNA now. You can't teach an old duck. Yeah. You know, I just, what am I going to do? I'm 30. I'm almost 32. I can't change now. No, Jenny has just been like so 
endlessly supportive, always down to do whatever, is kind of the creative yin to my creative yang, where I'm very big picture, can't sit down, can't sit still, always thinking about the next thing. She has a very technical mind. She grasps systems really easily. Sometimes she even GMs for the show because we've learned that if you give Grant a game where the game has to follow a specific story and hit certain plot points, I will not like it. But Jenny loves that. So she's like, yeah, give me a script and I will follow it and I will give it life and breathe stuff into it. And I'm like, give me a system that I can put my special sauce in and just goof around in. So Mm -hmm. we just really complete each other insanely well. So no, we don't fight. We don't have creative differences. Sometimes I send her like a thousand messages while she's at work because I'm (laughs) bored at work. And then she'll like give me like a one reply to one of the things. And I I know you're busy, but but please, my brain is on fire right now. (laughs) It's honestly a dream work with my sister. And it's a very unique thing that we get to do to have that sibling camaraderie shine through in a show like this and have just complete and total trust in a creative partner. Uh, I guess we'll cut out all of the nasty stuff you said about her. Yeah. (laughs) No, keep it in. (laughs) All right. (laughs) With all of these, reading all of these different systems and trying to do different ones every couple of weeks, have you dabbled in game design yourself? And if so, are you hoping to run any of those on the show? Jenny and I have made one in earnest. And I'd love to rerun it one of these days because we did it for our previous podcast iteration of this. We used to do it like once a month. But she couldn't make that recording, so it was me, my wife, and two of our closest friends. That game is called God Bless Us Everyone. That's the name of the game. God Bless Us Everyone was me charging into Jenny's room when she was still living with us and being like, I want to make a Christmas carol, but it's the video game Shadow of the Hedgehog. And she turned around her chair and what are you talking about? <laughs> we came up with a game where essentially you play any of the Cratchit children from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And there's like pre-built stats for them. You pick your favorite. They have stats varying from good to evil, basically. Just in Dickensian language, if you will. And the whole point of the game is to spend Christmas Eve going to Scrooge's house, either to convince him to be kind, kill him. Taking the message of a Christmas carol, throwing it out the window and putting the power in the kids' hands to save Christmas, essentially. So we put that out. We played it on the show. I'd love to take another crack at it one of these days. But that was our first big foray into trying game design. And then I've made like little goofy one page things on my own just to like put out there for free. If anyone follows us on Instagram or Twitter, you may have seen these. Back in the day, Renee from Fairy RPGs was like, Someone should just make an RPG that's just about like opening doors so that GMs don't have to come up with like what a door looks like or how to open it or whatever, because players always struggle with doors for some reason. So I was like, say less. (laughs) So go on the Game Master Instagram. Somewhere on there is a game that I came up with called You Encounter a Door. And it's just a dice tree of describing a door and what's behind it and how to open it. (laughs) (laughs) A mini game. Yeah, a mini a game, exactly. And then I uh, I made an offhanded joke while we were playing Call of Cthulhu on the show where a player rolled a 69. We all said nice. We all made a joke that a 69 should be an automatic success. So I made a one-page RPG called Nice where you roll the D100, bottom 50 you fail, top 50 you succeed, 
if you hit a 69, you critically succeed. <laughs> and that's the whole game. That's the game. <laughs> oh, man. I think I also wrote, you can have 69 hit points, and then in parentheses, if you want. And I showed this to like my game designer buddies, and one of them was like, what does if you want mean? And I was like, you know, if you want. And they're like, what's the mechanical purpose of them? I was like, look, man, maybe you play a game and you want your players to get hit. Maybe you don't. It's there if you want it. I don't know. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> this took me 10 total minutes. To draw it and then take a picture and post it. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day I'll make more bigger, better, intuitive games. But right now I'm happy running them. Yeah, I was going to say, you're prob- you're a little busy as I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just a little bit. So you've mentioned you're booked out for the rest of this year as far as games go. but. If someone was looking to get their game played on your show next year, maybe, or they wanted to play on the show themselves, how might they go about that if it's possible? Yeah, this is actually a great question because I'm planning on revamping this a little bit. The biggest lesson I have learned from this year is that scheduling things too far out in advance has really shackled me and has made finding new partners who are excited right now difficult because it's hard to be like hey thank you for showing me your game hit me up in five months so like going forward i'm going to be like a little bit more loosey-goosey about it and be more particular and picky about what we're choosing and doing exactly what we want to do but easiest way to get to get games across my desk if you will on my dms are always open on twitter instagram threads if they have dms one day (laughs) question mark yeah maybe by the time this comes out they'll fix that i don't know but so i i you know word of mouth is always great for me i'm also planning on setting up a specific email address just for receiving those sorts of things and that will be added to my various bios and my link tree once that is set up closer to next year and i'm always doing casting calls as well i'll make a little graphic on it i usually post around 9am on saturdays if that kind of thing is happening being like hey if you want to play with us doors open run through first come first served or i'll just reach out to you specifically another great way to just hit me up in general if you go to our various socials you'll see a link for our discord and uh, that's going to start having recommendation channels and submission channels and casting call channels <laughs> You might have to loop Jenny in on that. Huh? It was her idea. I'm telling you, like, she was like, we should I just make it. a Discord channel for this. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Discord's fun. Come and figure out what everyone's obsession with Waffle House is. Yeah, our, our general chat is called the Waffle House. It was an in-joke from months ago. I've forgotten how it started. And now people just talk about fighting there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Listen, the GMM Discord is lit. It's a whole bunch of cool TTRPG creators meeting and hanging out and collaborating. Lost Guide Studios met someone named Jenna from Tales from the Forgotten Troop. And because they met in our Discord, they linked up together and made their own RPG that we then played on the show. So like, just join the Discord. I'm always in there causing problems. And there's stuff happening. Yeah. The last question before we get into like where, you know, your socials and your handles and your release schedule, etc. is your last words here, your advice that you've got for people out there running games who are interested in running games or who have been running them for a while or who don't know where to start. How do you address those people? What kind of advice do you have for them? Ah, yes, me, the the aged professional passing on my wisdom to the the (laughs) younger generations. My advice is that this is a game. Remember that you're, you're playing a fun game with your friends. I love all the different ways to play 
any kind of tabletop RPG. There's truly a flavor out there for everyone. You should be doing whatever is fun for you with the people who you like doing it with, whether that's making a podcast, playing it with your friends. It's so like simple of an instruction, but if you want to be a good game master in any capacity, do what's fun to do and do what's fun for your players to do. Your tabletop RPGs are just an extension of all of us goofing around in our backyards, waving sticks and PVC pipes at each other and pretending to be knights and wizards and et ceteras, you know, out there. So we're just doing that with more steps. So just channel that energy <laughs> and have fun with it. The, every game you ever play, the rules are made up. Don't feel like you're going to be bogged down by them. If something sounds too complicated, don't play it. Find something that's less complicated and more your speed. And then when you get good at that, then consider leveling up. You know, this best advice for anything you do creatively ever to do something that is fun and have fun doing it. That's perfect advice. I love it. I am very much that school of thought as well. When we get too bogged down with the details or the making content or whatever, and we're not having fun anymore, then yeah, what's the point of playing games? Yeah, take a step back and take a breather. And if you're going to start a TTRPG podcast where you're the GM, take a total of one improv class. Just one. I promise you, wherever you live, every city, town, village in America and Canada and et cetera, has someone teaching improv. Just go sign up for their free class and be like, okay, cool. And then you're good. (laughs) Just do that one time. (laughs) And I promise you'll be so much better at this. It's not bad advice either. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Grant, where can people find you? Where can people find the show? What's your release schedule? So Game Master Monday, as the title says, we post every other Monday. So we post at least twice a month. We were in a little bit of a little mini hiatus here, but we're coming to the end of it. And we've got some cool things coming up very, very soon. End of this month, August 29th, we are doing a live stream on Twitch of Rosie Lab's super fun and hilarious game, 16 Mice Make Soup. (laughs) I'm not even paraphrasing. That's the real name of the show. And then uh, in September, we are getting back to our regularly scheduled, fully written, completely new episodes. We've got some cool games coming up. We're having the full cast of Rainbow Dice Club on our show to do a little semi-canon thing in a game called Beach Episode. And then the uh, aforementioned Monster Care Squad should be coming out around the same time there as well. So you can find us anywhere you enjoy podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, uh, Good Pods, Podbay. Uh, If you type in pod and then some other thing afterwards, it's probably in there somewhere. Just type in Game Master Monday. We're the only one I checked before I made the show for legal reasons. You can find us on a few socials. We're on Twitter. If it's still up here in August, who knows? We're on Instagram at Game Master Monday. Twitter is at Game Master M-O-N. And then we are on Threads now, which is also at Game Master Monday. So come give us a follow. And uh, on, on all of those socials, you'll find the link tree and you can join the Game Master Monday Discord, which is a happen in time with all of your favorite podcasters. Yes, yours, you listening to this. My favorite podcasters. Wow, I'm so excited to go join. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a ton for chatting with me, Grant. It's been fun to connect with you. I don't know however many months slash years ago, but really enjoyed Game Master Monday. Love hearing all of the different games and your unique spin on them. And it's been a great time chatting with you too. Great time chatting with you. This is a dream come true for me. So thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. 
Now let's hear a sneak peek from next week's guest, Thomas, the DM of I Cast Fireball. When it comes to just dungeon mastering, um, I'll, I'll, the only advice I can give is just from my own dumb mistakes. And the big one is to don't take yourself too seriously as a dungeon master because uh, you're not as big of a deal as you thought. Uh, <laughs> at least that's uh, how, what the realization I had to come to when I first started dungeon mastering. I saw Matthew Mercer and I was like, I want to be like that. I want to tell crafting stories and I want my players to interact the way they are. If you're aching for your players to interact in a certain way and they just aren't, you definitely shouldn't take it out on them and uh, you need to stop taking yourself so seriously. That was something I definitely had to come to terms with and being like, no, it's just fun. It's just a fun game. To hear more from Thomas, make sure to tune in next week. If you enjoy the show and want to help support me, there are a few easy ways like tipping me a few dollars on Ko-fi or PayPal or buying things for your own tables using my affiliate links. I've got links for dice, minis, tabletop gaming accessories, published content, and even geeky apparel. Links to all of these are in my show notes. I'm a proud supporter of Diversity Saves, a tabletop role-playing game charity which donates money to diverse up-and-coming creators working on their first projects. It's a great cause, and I'm really excited to see what awesome things come from it. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos theme is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music is by my friend Arcane Anthems. Thanks to the team at T4C Studios for helping me edit and produce this episode. If you want help editing your podcast, YouTube videos, or TikToks, Reels, and Shorts, head to podcasteditors.online or videoeditors.online and tell them I sent you. And, as always, until next time, roll some nat 20s for me. <laughs>